If you have your Bible, and I hope you do, join me this morning in Colossians chapter 3. We're going to back up one chapter from where we were two weeks ago. And what is, what's happened and what's actually pretty neat the way, uh, and I tell you guys this all the time, pretty neat the way the Lord works. You know, a couple of weeks ago, uh, we were here together and we were in Colossians chapter 4 and I told you that it was, it was one of those Sundays that I just felt like we needed to, uh, we needed to spend some time off of my, my calendar as far as what I had planned out and spend some time talking about some events that were taking place all around us. And of course events you know, have continued um, <laughs> nonstop, but what, what has just kind of naturally happened, and we're going to go back a little bit and just talk through it, some of it again. Uh, this is this is kind of turned into a little mini series that wasn't planned, and again, just from stuff going on in the world, stuff going on in our hearts, the challenges that we're all facing right now um, as believers, as followers of Christ. It's it's just been it's honestly been fun the way that God has orchestrated this um, into um, a. a three-week study for us um, that's, I hope, I hope that you are gaining from it, not because of words that I have to say, but you're gaining from it from what we're hearing from the Lord um, as, as He is speaking to us. But backing up, you know, a couple of weeks ago to Colossians chapter 4, yeah, the end of June, we, we talked in Colossians chapter 4 and we were talking about the embattled church, uh, because as the church, and the and the and when I say this, I hope you understand when I say the capital C church. You know, we we are the local church, and yeah, on signs and things in a title, the C is capitalized, but we are the local church, and really the reference is a lowercase C. We're one part of the big body. And so when I say the capital C church, I'm talking about the big body, the body of believers, the body of Christ, all of, all of the churches encompassed as one. And we're, we are in a precarious position as the church because of everything that's going on around us. And, and we could dig through scripture and find one after another that points to all of these things that are going on. Now, whether this is the time that Christ is coming back, I don't know, and I'm not dare going to say, yes, it is, and I'm not dare going to say, no, it's not. But there's so many things that are lining up with Scripture and, and with things that have been prophesied that it's looking like he's ready. I'm ready for him. I don't know about y'all. Uh, I'm ready. Um, I, I, in my prayer, I, and I do, I say, Lord, come quickly in my, in, in my prayer time, because it, it's time. Um, it, and if that, I just, I'll stop for a second. If that scares you to say, Lord, come quickly, let's talk, let's talk because there's nothing to fear. There's, there's nothing to fear in his return. Um, and we still have. We still have some time 
to do some things before his return, but don't let that, that scare you. But again, that, that is my prayer. Lord, come quickly because we're in a mess and, and we're battling with all kinds of questions right now as the church. What, what should we do? What should we do? What should we say? How should we act? And we all know the answer to that, and that's what we dug into in the end of June, get that correct this time, when we were in Colossians chapter 4, looking at the words of Paul, when he was, he was sharing with the church there that's for us today as well, to devote ourselves to prayer, to stay alert, stay alert to what God is doing, what God is saying, and how God is leading us all the time, and to do so with a thankful heart. We... We have reason to be thankful. Even in the middle of the mess, we have reason to be thankful, but we have so much still to do. And that's what, that's what Paul unwraps for us in that passage. He asked for prayer for him and uh, while he's in prison and the opportunities that he would have to proclaim the message. But then he also gives us instruction to live wisely. Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. What should we do? How should we act? What should we say? Let your conversation be gracious. Let your conversation be attractive so that you'll have the right response for everyone. And like we talked about then, the right response is always the truth. You'll never hear from me to say we're not going to stand on the truth and we should not share the truth. That is the first thing that we should always share with people. But it's done in grace and it's done with love and it's done with consideration. Just like for us, when we are in a situation and in a conversation with someone, you know, we, we want somebody to listen to us as well. Just think when we have those opportunities to share love and to do it graciously, we're talking to somebody that wants us to listen also. And so we should listen and we should hear what's going on in their heart and their life while we're sharing the truth. Everybody's story is valid and we should listen to their story because woven in that story are the opportunities for us to speak truth as they've gone through issues, struggles, happiness. It's, it's not always about, you know, the struggles and the downside. There are things that people are celebrating, but we, we've got to listen and we've got to do that with grace and, and be, be mindful when we're having those conversations with people. But always, always, always speaking the truth we have nothing to be ashamed of they may not agree and that's okay it's okay if they don't agree with us but we can have those opportunities to share and then then on july the third we talked about because it was independence day 
we talked about the celebration that we have as a nation because we, we do have some great liberties that others around the world don't have. But what we unpacked from Romans chapter 8, a passage that we've, we've talked through so many times, is the truth for us is the word instead of being independent, and our independence is that we are dependent on God, and that's how we should live our lives. We uh, we camped on verse 31. I won't read all of that passage, but we camped on verse 31. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? And and where we brought that into the discussion from the standpoint of that first week in the turmoil of the world to to now or to then and our dependence on God and that nothing can separate us from him all of the things all of the things that are going on around us all of as we like to call it the craziness and 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 the battles for our heart the battles for our minds uh, the battles for a platform to be able to speak and to share and to be heard in all of those things in all of those things we can rest assured that we can depend on God because nothing can ever separate us from him and we find our strength we get our strength we derive our strength all of our strength comes from our reliance and trust in him period nothing else needs to be said from that point on we don't have to complicate it with anything else Everything that we have, our dependence in him, he is our strength, he is our rock, and we can trust him always. Nothing will ever change that. And then that moves us into this week, and I told you this has kind of turned into um, just a, a mini-series of its own that I know that God has put together for us, and the, our, our word this morning that we're, we're going to talk about from, from that passage in Colossians 3 that we'll read in just a second, is this whole idea of perspective. And again, see how all of that fits. We've got, a, we've got a crazy, mixed up world, but we know that we can trust and rely on God. But it moves us into this idea of what our perspective is. And the word perspective... Um, the, the definition on this one is, is a little bit weaker than what I, uh, what I like, but a particular attitude toward or way of regarding something, but here's, here's the key to it, a point of view. That's, that's the definition that we're going to camp on, our point of view. Um, the, the view that we have internally or the view that we have as we can see things um, and our perspective is our capacity, our ability to view things in their true relation, their true relationship, relative importance, what it, what's really there. That's, that's what we're going to look at from the idea of a perspective, our point of view of what's really there, what we should really see, and what we should really understand and so let's let's talk just a second before we get in the scripture about perspective Karen will put a put a picture up for us of a, of a grand hall and I was was going to talk about something different but she found this picture and I think it really 
kind of gives us a better idea. When you look at that picture of the Grand Hall and you're looking from the viewpoint of the orchestra, and let me get out from in front of the projector, you're looking from the viewpoint of the orchestra out at the, uh, the audience in, um, in this hall. What do you see? And you don't have to answer that question out loud necessarily, but what, what you see from, from sitting on the stage, you know, you, you see people, you see people at different levels, um, you see people with different viewpoints, um, you see people, and, and, and take the analogy a little bit further from just the idea of what have, watching an orchestra play, but you know, you're seeing people in different points of life, and the perspective from the stage is you're looking out as a member of the orchestra or the person sitting there at the piano, you know, you're looking out at the crowd and, you know, first you can draw the conclusion, well, all of these people came to see me. And then you can look a little bit deeper and you can, you can start to, you can start to kind of draw your own picture. The, the ones in the lower level down at the front, you know, they're in a different stage of life than maybe the ones up at the top way up there at the top and you know you can you can wonder what uh, you know what brought them here what um you know what uh, what's what's going on in their life and then turn it around because we're we're looking at the view from the stage now turn it around to one of those faces in the crowd and what do they see they see from the bottom they see the orchestra on the stage. And that's what they see. And you start going up in different levels. They see part of the crowd. And then they see the orchestra. And the higher up you get, honestly, the less they can see. But nothing in the room has changed. The view is still the same. But the point of view is different. And the guy way up there at the top that we can't even see because he's so far up there, his view is different than this guy right here at the bottom. Everybody in the place is seeing something different. Even though they're in the same place for the same event, to hear the same music, they're all seeing it different. And there's all things go, all kinds of different things going on in their lives that's changing their point of view and their perspective. You know, the guy way up there in the top that maybe got the last ticket that was available and he's way up there and he's there to enjoy the music and, and life is all together. And he's going to hear the music. And he's going to enjoy the night. And he's going to have a true perspective of what's going on. But this guy down here in the bottom, you know, life is a mess. And he's going to see the orchestra. And he's going to hear the same music. But it's not going to resonate the same way because his perspective of life in that moment is different. Track in with me on what we're talking about. You know, our perspective as we go through life, and catch this, because this is so very true for all of us, our perspective as we go through life, our point of view as we go through life changes every day. Every day, 
our perspective changes because of something happening in life, because of somebody around us screaming a little bit louder, because something in life has distracted us from whom we're dependent on, and our view gets blurred, it gets twisted, it gets out of whack, and we lose sight of who we're dependent on, and we hear the noise a little bit louder than we should, and we listen to it a little bit more because our point of view is off. So let's go to Colossians chapter 3. It's enough about the orchestra. Let's, let's look at, at the word and what Paul recorded for us as he wrote to the church. And remember, Paul is writing to the church. Just a quick review. He's writing to the church to, to battle, um, to combat, to, uh, uh, to speak against some errors that are taking place in the church. There's a lot of mess that's come in. And Paul is writing to one of his church plants to remind them that Christ is all they need. Christ in his absolute supremacy and soul sufficiency is all that he needs. And he, unla he unwraps a lot of stuff. And then where we are in chapter 3 is where he turns to the, the divinity. Man, it's one of those mornings. The divinity of Jesus Christ and his death and resurrection and what that should mean to this church as Christ followers, but what it should mean to us as Christ followers. It should mean everything to us, and it should be the only point of view that we consider the world around us through those lenses. You know, we, we haven't talked much about lenses, but our view through the lenses that we're looking through or looking at life at, it should always be those lenses of Jesus Christ. Life should be filtered through the supremacy of Jesus Christ. So let's, let's take a look because these verses mean so much for us when we're talking about our perspective. So Colossians chapter 3, let's pick up in, we're going to read verses 1 through 4. Verses 1 through 4. And what Paul is challenging with the, the title of this little section in my Bible is living the new life. Verse 1. Since you've been raised to a new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. And then verse 2, think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all of his glory. And verse again, verse 2, I emphasized it, and that's for, for us today in, our, in talking about our perspective. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. And Paul is explaining to this church then, but explaining to us too, this whole idea of being a true Christian believer. And think about it, what he's saying in these verses. That old stuff, that old way that we were, and for, for those of us that have surrendered our lives to Christ, and you can remember that day, that time when you said yes to Christ as your Lord and your Savior. All of that old, all of that old died. It did. It died. It, it does try to rear its ugly head again, but 
It, it's not, when, when you say yes to Christ and you surrender your life to Christ, that old stuff is not you anymore. And that's the symbolism that comes with our baptism. We bury the old. We bury it. We let it go. We give it up. We, it's not us anymore and we're raised to a new life in Christ. That's that whole, that's that visual statement that we, that we make with, with our baptism and with our lives and everything about us. It's not an instant change. It's, it's not an instant change, but everything about us, when we surrender our lives to Christ and we're following Christ, He begins the process of changing us. And it's a process, and it can be painful sometimes. But he's changing us, and it changes our perspective. When we surrender to Christ, when we let him have control, we, we shouldn't see the earthly things around us anymore as they are because we're looking at those things through those lenses of Jesus Christ, and we have a different perspective, a different view of those things. And it doesn't mean that we're going to compromise and it doesn't mean that we're going to go on a tear again, that whole idea of what should we do in the crazy world that we live in. Uh, and it doesn't mean that we have to ignore all of the stuff around us because that's not what we're called to do as the church either. Dependent on God, we're called to take the message of truth to the world around us. We don't have to, we don't have to cower away from those things. But what we have now as, as part of who we are is our trust in God gives us peace as we go to do, as we go to share, as we go to live the truth in the world around us. And that peace, Philippians 4, 7, then you'll experience God's peace which exceeds anything that we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And again, our source of strength, our source of peace as we face the difficulties of the world around us, doing what we've been called to do, living dependent on Him. Does, if I said this enough this morning, how all of this is coming together is we're living in a messed up world dependent on Christ. Our perspective, our point of view is different. And as he unwraps in verse 4 for us, it fills us with a desire. It fills us with a desire to love and to serve. To love and to serve. And remember from Ephesians chapter 2, nothing that we do is earning us anything with Him. We're not earning favor. We're not earning our salvation. Don't ever get confused with that. There's nothing that we can earn, but it becomes a part of who we are with our surrender. Because He loves us so much, it compels us to go and to love and to serve the world around us. Not because we're getting brownie points with God for what we're doing, but because of who we are in Him, it just compels us to go and to serve. And that perspective as we view the world around us, that perspective of His for the world is our power to do. It, it, it energizes us. Now, does it mean, just like in that picture that we looked at a few minutes ago, I told you that perspective changes. 
life happens and, and things look different than they did or they look different than they should. We're going to struggle with that. The enemy's going to show us things, remind us of things. That's what he loves to do. He loves to remind us of junk. Uh, that stuff that we've died to, that stuff that we've let go of in our life with Christ. The enemy loves to drag it up, or at least he does in my life. He loves to drag it up and wave it around and say, remember? And if we let him have a moment, if we let him have a moment and get us distracted, it will change our point of view of a lot of things. All the time, all around us, it'll change. Because when we let the enemy remind us of stuff and we let the enemy dig some of that old stuff up and wave it around, we start to hear things different. We start to see things different. And we start to act different. And as hard as it is, because it is so very hard, the enemy doesn't play fair. He does not play fair. And we all have story after story after story that we could share with, with each other of how the enemy fights dirty. But what we've got to do, and it's so important, and it's um, our, our strength comes from the Lord, and we can be and we are dependent on the Lord, but there is in within us that what's got to be there, that... Um, that desire to fight, that desire to stay attached, that desire to remind the enemy when he's trying to remind us of the junk, to remind him, I belong to Christ. I don't belong to you. None of that matters to me anymore. And it takes, it takes courage and strength from within us to remind the enemy that it doesn't matter anymore. And that's not who we are and that he's not going to change our perspective. And he's not going to let that thing, whatever that thing, that addiction, that crutch, that desire, he's, we're not going to let him push that back into our lives. We're going to remind him who Christ is in our lives. You know, you've heard the story, I hope you have, from the Bible when Satan tempted Jesus. And this is why when you hear us talk about learning Scripture and, and having Scripture in your heart, it's not just so that you know some memory verses. What did Jesus do when he was tempted by Satan? He went to the truth of the Word, and he cited the truth of the Word to the enemy to tell him to shut up. If our Savior did that, I mean, that ought to be a clue for us. Of what we need to be doing. We need to be hiding the word in our heart. So in those moments when the enemy says. When Satan says. Hey you remember this? Hey you, you want to see this again? Hey you want to do this again? Man we've got the word to stand on the truth. That we're dependent on. Throw that at the enemy. And see what he does. He'll run. Because. The truth. And the enemy can't coincide together they can't be together you want to get rid of the enemy share the truth with him he'll run he'll run and that will keep our perspective our point of view 
where it ought to be. Where life's not in the way. Struggles aren't in the way. Things in our life aren't in the way. Where we're dependent on Him at all times. And He's our source of strength. And He's our source of courage. Because He's all we need. He's all that we need. Garrett, come on up. Let's worship together this morning again. And this morning as we worship, um, and we always, in, in this time of, of worship, this is also a time for us to respond to how, how the Father is speaking to each one of us. And in, in this time as, as Garrett leads us, it's not about the song. It's about how God is talking to you. What's he saying to you this morning? What's, what's he, what is he putting in front of you? Maybe this morning for you there's, there's that need of a reminder of who he is and that he is the one that you can be dependent on and you don't have to listen to and you don't have to hang on to the struggles of the world, but you can put everything back in his hands. And so this morning as we worship, if you need to respond, don't wait. Don't, don't go away with the thought, well, I'll, I'll just, I'll, I'll do this later. There's not a better time. There's not a better time than now. And not because you're in a sacred space, but because he's talking to you now. Now is the time to respond. So as Garrett leads, I'll be in the back of the room. I'll have Joe join me in the back of the room. If you need to talk to someone, if you need to pray, come, come talk to us. We would, we would love the opportunity. Not because we have the answers, all of the perfect answers, and not because we do all of this perfect, but together together we can take it to the Father and let Him work like He needs to work so as we worship you respond Father I pray this morning that our response to you is just simply always just simply yes yes